But the privilege is all mine to be here, and uh, it's been a long time since I brought a message from behind this pulpit, and I'll have you go ahead and take your Bibles and turn, please, to the book of Philippians, chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, and the last time I stood behind this pulpit and brought a message, well, it wasn't under a tent, it was uh, on in Jericho on Albert Street, and uh, man, I tell you what. To see what God has done, it is amazing. And what God is doing, it's it's wonderful to be a part of something that is going forward. And we should never get to a point where we think, look how far we've got, let's just, let's just maintain this. But God intends us to always go forward because he is always advancing. Let's go ahead and read here together, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, if there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, and being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others." Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Trust that God allows his blessing to the reading of his word. Just before we look at this passage, let's pray together. Lord, we thank thee for thy word. And as we look into thy word, help us, please. Help me to speak and be just an instrument in thy hand. Help us to be spirit-filled listeners, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We come to this wonderful passage here. We read Philippians chapter 2 and verses 1 to 12, which speaks about Christ and we... Perhaps maybe you've asked this question, maybe you've wondered, where, well, where is Christ now? And, and this is the facts about where Jesus Christ is now. He is highly exalted. He's given, given him a name which is above every name. Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father. That's where Jesus Christ is now. And if you're a child of God, he should be also on the throne of your heart. And we're going to look here this evening, though, at this question, a message with this title, because he humbled himself. Because he humbled himself. The Bible says in verse 8 of Philippians chapter 2, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And in this passage of Scripture that we read here, we find the word wherefore used two times. Wherefore. And so if the Bible here, verse number 9 and verse number 12, when it uses the word wherefore, it's referring back to something 
that has already been mentioned. There's something that we need to connect this verse to, something that the, the Apostle Paul is saying here, and he's applying it to something that he has just said. He's making a connection and applying it to our life and applying it to our hearts and teaching us truths about Jesus Christ. And so the second wherefore that we see is in verse number 12. The Bible says, wherefore, my beloved brethren, my beloved, and some people mark in their Bible, some don't, but I have that uh, word, verse number 12, I have that circled, wherefore, and then I have a line drawn from that wherefore all the way up, all the way up to the word obedient, obedient, because if you see, if you read on in verse number 12, wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed. You see, there's this connection. Paul is looking back at Jesus Christ and how Jesus Christ was obedient unto death. Jesus Christ wasn't just obedient through death, but Jesus Christ, the immortal, the very son of God, became obedient unto death. He, he submitted to that old wicked enemy that we all have, that we all will face one day, and that is death. And Jesus Christ became obedient unto death as well. The wonderful hymn by Charles Wesley, he puts it very well. The hymn, And Can It Be? One verse says, Tis mystery all, the immortal dies. Who can explain this strange design? No man, no angel. It's a mystery. It's incomprehensible for us to ever understand how that Jesus Christ, the immortal Son of God, died for us. But he did. And he became obedient. He submitted himself unto death. He became obedient unto death. But then the first wherefore, would like to think more about that one this evening. The first wherefore is verse number nine. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him. This wherefore I have circled and a line drawn from there to the word humbled. Humbled. Verse number eight. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. And so the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ humbled himself. And because he humbled himself, God, and we see some things that God hath done because Jesus Christ humbled himself. The Bible speaks about it, describes it in verse number six of Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two, verse six, the Bible says, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Jesus Christ humbled himself. It's unimaginable. It's, it's really, it's, we'll never be able to understand how humbling it is for God to put on this robe of flesh and become Emmanuel, God with us, and to walk this same filthy world and live in it that we live in today, and to suffer everything that we will ever suffer. He was man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, he knows exactly everything that we suffer, that we go through. He experienced it all. And to imagine, this is God in the flesh. The Bible says in the book of in Psalms that it's humbling for God to even behold the things of earth. For God to even look down on the earth, that's humbling for him. And then to imagine that he came 
to be and dwell with us. And that is God's always God's intent to dwell with us, his creation. But let's look here. Firstly, because he humbled himself, God hath highly exalted him. Verse number nine, the Bible says, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he satisfied the wrath of God for the sins of the world. And then he was laid in a tomb. He was only there, though, for three days. And he conquered in his life sin. He conquered death. He conquered hell. And he rose again victorious from the dead three days later. And so Jesus Christ is never meant to be left in the tomb. Jesus Christ especially is never meant to be left on the cross. And so anytime we tell someone about Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done for us, never stop at the cross. But make sure you keep going on to the tomb and on through the tomb to the resurrection. And because Jesus Christ rose again from the dead, it proved without a shadow of doubt that God accepted his sacrifice, that he was the very son of God, that it was he is perfect and spotless lamb of God. God hath highly exalted him because he laid himself down low in the grave and he suffered so much for you and for me. God hath highly exalted him and he's never meant to be left on the cross, never meant to be left in the tomb. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, I'll read a few other verses that tell us about how God's highly exalted him. Hebrews chapter one, verse 13. Hebrews one, verse 13. But to which of his... Which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? He said, he's not said this to anyone else. Jesus Christ, to him he said, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2. Hebrews 12, verse 2, the Bible says, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That is where Jesus Christ is. No one's ever going to go find a tomb somewhere with the bones of Jesus Christ because he's been highly exalted. He's resurrected and he is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Carry on. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, verse 21. The Bible says, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down with my Father in his throne. Jesus Christ, he is now exalted in heaven. He is on the throne his rightful place. Have you exalted him? Is he on the throne of your heart? Is he on the throne of your life? Is he king of kings and lord of lords to you? Because that is his rightful place. He deserves none other. He doesn't deserve to have your throne shared, our throne shared with other hobbies, other interests, other people, but he alone deserves to be exalted in our life. God is highly exalted him we'll come back to the book of revelation here in just a moment back in philippians chapter 2 philippians chapter 2 
In verse number nine, again, the Bible says, Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. God hath given him a name. He's given him a name which is above every name. Verse number 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. God hath given him a name which is above every name. He's given him a name that's above every name. The Bible says that every knee would bow at his name in heaven. To think about what we'll see in heaven is really enjoyable. And to think about those who will meet in heaven. There's a song that says, heaven sounding sweeter all the time. And when we get to heaven, all of the wickedness of this world will be left behind. All of our temptations and all of our weaknesses to give in to them will leave them behind. Death will never part us again. No pain, no sickness. But most of all, we'll be forever in the presence of God. And our faith will become sight. And we'll enjoy that rest in heaven. But to think about the other things, to think about the Bible you can read about the buildings that we'll see, the temple that we'll see in heaven. Jesus Christ told his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. And in my father's house are many mansions. There's places for us, for the, all of his children to live and to dwell for all of eternity. It must be amazing to think of the angels that are there, the power that they have, the beauty of them. But none of them compare, and every single one of them will all bow to the name of Jesus. Because every name in heaven, he's given him a name above everyone in heaven. He's given him a name above all who are on the earth. Revelation chapter 5, if you look there with me, I'll read a passage that I think it's just enjoyable to read. Revelation chapter 5, we'll begin in verse 8. Revelation 5, verse 8, the Bible says, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands. Verse twelve, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, 
heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. You see that phrase there again in verse number 13. The Bible says, And every creature which is, which is under heaven and on the earth and under the earth. In verse number 9, the Bible says, at the last part of it, and hast, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. We think about what's going on in the world right now. You can, most of us, we can think about very powerful people, very powerful nations. Very powerful businesses, organizations. And it seems as though they're steering, as they will, the course of this world. And most of them in high places and powerful positions and influence, most of them are not doing things for the glory of God. Most of them are very wicked people. And as a child of God, we can find ourselves looking around and maybe you might say counting up the numbers on the team and looking at the other side and thinking, this is not, uh, this is a bit mismatched. They've got a lot more on their side. They've got a lot more money on their side. They've got a lot more power on their side. They've got positions. And look at us. But the Bible says there is coming a day when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that is on this earth. God's will will be done. Make no mistake about it. God is too powerful for his will to ever be thwarted. No one has ever stood in the way of the will of God. And he has a plan for this world. He has a plan for your life. God's will will be done. And the question is, are we going to be a part of his will or not? In earth, everyone will confess, every knee. It's not a question about who, but it's a question about when. Will you bow the knee? Will you bow your knee to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, on this earth? Or will you, for the first time, bow the knee when you stand before him on the brink of eternity? And if that is the first time, then that will be the beginning of everlasting death. The second death. In the lake of fire for all of eternity. For all those who will not bow the knee here, they will one day. Have you bowed the knee here? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed another second. Every knee on earth, no matter how powerful, no matter how unnoticed, God 
sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for the sins of this world. Every one of us are to bow the knee to Jesus Christ now. Please don't wait until then. Giving him a name which is above every name, not only in heaven and on earth, but under the earth. One day, the devil will be put in his place. One day, that tempter, that deceiver, he will have all powers stripped from him. And he will be cast into the pit. He'll be cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity. And so you may think now the devil has a lot of power. Now he's getting his way. But one day he will meet his end. The judgment's already been passed on him. And the victory, as Pastor Moreland already said, the victory has already been won. We're on the winning side. Let us live the victorious Christ, the victorious life for Christ. So because Christ humbled himself, God hath highly exalted him. God hath given him a name which is above every name and all for the glory of God. Verse 11, the Bible says, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. To the glory of God the Father. Because Jesus Christ humbled himself, because he became low, and because he became like us, he was then able to give glory to God the Father. This was God's design. It's hard to understand that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. But because he willingly humbled himself. Now, Jesus Christ is exalted to the glory of God the Father. And if we're going to live lives that give glory to God, they must be humble. God resists the proud. That should be an alarming thing to us. That should cause us to look at our lives and to think very hard and to examine ourselves very closely and to search very diligently for signs of pride in our heart and in our life because it's in us all. And the pride that's in our life is absolutely appalling to God because it is nothing like him. And Jesus Christ was humility embodied. And that is why he was able to glorify God. That is why he is exalted now. And if we're going to live a life that's for God, we're not going to care what people think about us. We're not going to care if we have a good reputation. We're not going to care if people think kind thoughts about us. We're not going to care if they think our motives are right. We're not going to care if we've lost our mind. Paul said, what is it? If, I, if, it be, if we be beside ourselves... It is unto God. Though all the world might think we're a bunch of loonies. To God be the glory. Humility is not the ability to self-abase. Some people are really good at that. They're really good at walking around saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, I really struggle with this and I, I'm really horrible at that and 
Oh, I, I look so, and that's not humility at all. That's just looking at yourself still. Humility is eyes off of yourself and eyes on God. Forgetting self and looking to the Lord. That's what we were created to do. To be dependent upon our creator. And dependency is humility. So many of us, we want to be self-sufficient. I'm my own man. We're created to be dependent upon our creator. And that's the blessed life. That's the life of rest and peace, even here on this earth. One day, all will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I pray that you'll do it here and now. And if you're a child of God, I pray that God will help us, help me to keep confessing him to others that he is Indeed, the Savior of this world. He is the very Son of God. And He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Him. Because He humbled Himself. God hath highly exalted Him. God hath given Him a name which is above every name to the glory of God the Father. Close with this verse. The Bible says, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. It's hard to imagine that God would even want to exalt me I've failed him so many times, been unfaithful, caused him shame. But the Bible says, humble yourself. This is one of the secrets to living the Christian life, humble yourself. This is the key to the fruit of the Spirit, humble yourself. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. We should never seek to exalt ourselves, but we should be seeking to humble ourselves. For God deserves all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Let us pray. Lord, to think of what Jesus Christ God in the flesh, the darling of heaven, has done for us wicked sinners. It's a very sobering thought. Very, very shameful to think that because of me, Christ suffered. But what love, what love. That even though we are the ones who are in the wrong, Christ came to make it right. Lord, we pray that there would be souls this evening that would bow the knee for the first time. We pray, Lord, there, that we all would draw closer to thee. 
because of being reminded what Christ has done. Lord, we thank thee. We love thee. We pray that thou wouldst help us to love thee more. In Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior's name we pray.